0: all right so i'm here with my friend and brother scott ryan you may remember us from the red room podcast a long time ago and we used to do this thing called the state of television we haven't done one of these for years and we thought it would be high time to come back together and kind of revisit what we're watching now what we love what we hate welcome back scott well it's fun to be back uh When I had the
1: Red Room podcast, I used to always say, boy, if I had a podcast on television, I sure would be talking about this. And so now I don't have one. I still have things
0: to talk about. Right. Um, I miss it. There are are definitely times where I miss having the Red Room as a...
1: Yeah, I feel like a show like Only Murders in the Building would have been one that we would have covered because, you know, you could take a chance at who did it and all those stupid things. Uh, That's one of the things I like knowing that it's out there, is I tell people, hey, while Twin Peaks Season 3 was going, I called that that keychain proved everything. And I'm like... And you were right. And like that was in real time. Yep. Not looking way back and things. I'd forgotten we did a week-to-week. We didn't do a week-to-week. We did every three episodes. Okay. I think. Which is still pretty timely. Yeah, we did a lot, but we didn't do...
0: I remember we had Jeff Lemire on there. That was wild stuff. That was a great summer for yeah, TV. Yeah, are still out there, so... Uh, that's usual for us. The, so what are you watching that you're loving now? But let's talk, start with what we love before we get into what we are angry about.
1: Well, for me, I've been doing a Star Trek thing. So I've decided to watch all Star Treks because of my love of Strange New Worlds, mm. which I think is the best... New show that's out right now. I think that's a true statement. Um, Star Trek has been horrible in the new reboot. How I don't know how long. Let's say ten years or yeah. something. For ten years, Star Trek has been horrible.
0: Do you include the new films in that? With
1: Greg I do. And Chris Pine. I mean, like at first it was fun, but in the end they weren't. They also weren't doing what Star Trek does best. They were taking the same stories and rehashing it and. Mm -hmm. It just became Star Wars, and they were all horrible. But Strange New Worlds is a good show. I feel like people who maybe even don't like Star Trek would like it, because it has good characters, it's about hope. So I would start there, as that's my favorite, and that's still on. I'm with you. What's Uh, your favorite show?
0: That's up there, for sure. And I guess what I like so much about it is it's gotten back to its moral Storytelling, right. which is like Star, Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek equals morals. Hundred percent. Yeah, I feel like you know when they—it's almost like what the James Bond movies did when they tried to compete with the uh, Bourne Born. Identity. Yeah. Like it changed James Bond, and I think in a better way because that that venue just adds it. But when they tried to make Star Trek Twenty Four, you know they like tried to inject this immediacy to the battle. Of, you know, it was a focus on the fighting as opposed to the diplomacy, which was always a key element of Star Trek. I mean, the Prime Directive, by its nature, is not a combative idea. You know, it's, it's a, an idea for democracy. And I feel like when these new Star Treks got away from that is when they really started to suffer, and Strange New Worlds comes back to it completely. So it was, it's great. I mean, just a great, great show.
1: Yeah, and Paramount+, Plus, if you're a Star Trek fan, is worth paying for because like, that's the other thing. How much product is on Apple TV? I personally don't think there's enough to justify keeping it year-round. But if you have every single Star Trek series yeah. on one platform, that's good. That becomes something. I'm sure if you're a Star Wars nut, Disney, Disney Plus, Plus becomes worth it to you because now I have everything
0: in one spot. Right, and and Marvel. Like this, right. Disney has done a really interesting thing with disney plus although it's lost a ton of money so like is it worth it i don't know the answer to that i feel like they've lost so much money that it's probably a sinkhole at this point that they have to continue on it which will lead us eventually into this fractionalization of where television lies which i can remember we used to do red rooms about is netflix breaking tv you know we started to talk about binging back in the day when people did that and is binging something you even do anymore i don't Binge. I never binged a show in my life. Yeah, I think I did, probably, in the early days. But I couldn't imagine watching a show like Fargo or even right. Star Trek. And, like, watching two a night, that's way... And
1: they, they, they've they come out of it. Now shows are dropping a week, one right. a week. Right. That's the only real model that works. And then Netflix is... They're not quite doing that, but there's they give a bunch of episodes, then you have to wait. Right. There's a horrible show on there called The Lincoln Lawyer that... We've watched because David E. Kelly wrote the first episode, and then he left it, but they they drop like five episodes and then and two, and I think that's what the Crown did. So yep. even Netflix, which started binging, is realizing it doesn't work, because you don't remember the show, you don't care about the show. you don't you do it all in a day. I mean, think about that. you o- would only watch like our good friend Melanie, who will never listen to this. She binges Cobra Kai. Yeah. Stays up all night. Yeah, that would be awful. So you watch a show for eight hours a year on one time. You,
0: and then how could you remember it? There's, uh, so I we
1: watch 26 weeks of Star Trek The Next Generation. That's why we care about it.
0: Right. And it's the... I mean, back to the Twin Peaks thing. It's what happens in between the shows. We watched the first... Episode of Fargo Season 5 the other night And I've been thinking about it for two days now Right, me too Which is great, that's where And if we would have just
1: watched them They put two up, we watched one If we would have watched that second one We wouldn't be thinking about everything that happened in that first one And I'm wondering about this character Are they good? Why did they show us Don Draper? Yeah, John Hamm, yeah You know, right. what, what is he? What is he doing we're going to know when we watch episode two, but I don't
0: know right now. Yeah. And the, answer's if, there if the the time, time gives you time to crystallize the questions that are the most important part. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we're coming out of the binge phase. We're not coming out of the binge phase. You don't think so? No. I'm not.
1: You might be, but the world is
0: not. <laughs> but you've been out from the beginning. It was well, never. I just,
1: it wasn't my style, but the world is not coming out of binge phase. They do think they're, so? They're, no, no, no. want their bench yeah because like there are so many people that said oh I'll just wait till all 10 episodes are out and then I watch them they they just hold off
0: yeah I mean I have done that on some shows just for the convenience of it I mean like you I watch a lot of TV but you said something the other day where you said I think I hate almost everything I'm watching right now yes I do and it's like so if you you guys have never listened to us Scott and I are (laughs) the exact opposite when it comes to this stuff and that's a total Scott statement um and, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, I love I love almost everything I'm watching right now. So we all have always come at it from a completely different angle. But
1: it also depends what control you have over your viewing time. Mm. I don't have final control over what I do. <laughs> that has been given to another person.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite. I kind of control. Right.
1: What we I want. mean, I would. I'm suffering through Ted Lasso. I believe Ted Lasso, Season 3. Really, the whole show is maybe the show I've hated the most that I've ever had to watch. But I really hate Season 3. I hate Six Feet Under. I'm watching that. Yep. Um,
0: Deep Space Nine.
1: Deep Space Nine is, a sl- is so interesting to me, but I've committed to watching Deep Space Voyager Enterprise, which I've never seen any of them. Yep. I'm doing a whole Star Trek thing. Um, I'm sure I hate something else. Oh, shrinking on Apple TV. I don't love it. Same writers as Ted Lasso, the same creative people.
0: I don't think I realized that, but I did watch both shows.
1: And they do the same things where they do what they want, whether it fits the characters, (laughs) it doesn't matter to them. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know. There's something else I hate, I'm sure. What, what are you loving?
0: Um, so for new shows, I really, really loved Reservation Dogs. I think oh, that yeah. was that was one of the best shows since Lodge Forty Nine. I feel like, and there's a lot of kindred spirit between those two shows as well. I've been thinking about Lodge Forty Nine quite a bit lately, and I do feel like I'm in I'm in for a rewatch of that show and a complete reanalysis of that show. So that's good. Um, we've been also watching Star Trek uh, Lower Decks. You were the one that got us to watch it. I had no interest in watching an animated Star Trek show at all. But, boy, was that worth it.
1: Can you tell me who wrote Lodge Forty Nine? It was Jim Gavin. Yeah. So, he just tweeted. Jim Gavin, is that what he
0: said? G-A-V-I-N, Gavin.
1: Because I think I follow him, yeah. So, he just tweeted that the best show on TV is something deadlock
0: l-o-c-h yeah we watched it's on and i'm
1: actually gonna watch it because i trust him so much so you've seen the I told you
0: about it so when we were in florida this was the show we started to watch it takes place in australia i believe uh it was good it was funny i we enjoyed it and i figured if that guy likes it it must be good yeah so i was gonna try
1: it i couldn't remember what it was called.
0: i had sent a message to him on blue sky the other day because he just joined and i said jim I still dream about Lodge 49, the characters and the places there. Thank you for making it. And he responded and said, I do too. Thanks, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, like So it's still alive in his brain, which is, is good. It's probably one of the worst cancellations of any show. It really hurt.
1: Well, I think the OA also yeah, hurt. But, I mean, that's a good topic, too, that back in our day... <laughs> TV went on until you wanted to blow your brains out. Like you need season 84 of Law and Order or, you know, 75 years of Cheers or Frasier or Friends or Mad Men. They all went to the money truck. Well, that's over now. Yeah. Now they only want four seasons, even if it's successful, even if the story isn't completed. Right. So it is funny that we flip that way because they they don't want to pay anyone to do it. So they want to get nobody's. Right. just to get you in, watch this new thing, but they also don't care if it continues. Now, isn't that crazy? It is, and it's, it's really Because that's what Lower Decks, I think, is kind of going through. I know they're trying to go longer than... Five
0: seasons. ...they want, but, like, how yeah. horrible is that? Well, and the fact that they're just wiping shows out of existence is a tax write-off. I mean, it really is the death of commercial art in many ways. I mean, it's so commoditized. And when you look at, like, who has the number one songs on streaming and those those kind of metrics, uh, Ted Joy has done some really interesting research around this. And essentially what all these algorithms are driving towards is AI-produced art that does. they don't have to pay anybody for, but that people just put on a Christmas playlist, and it gives you this synthetic experience of listening that's totally curated that has literally nothing to do with the artists themselves and eventually they can stop paying musicians and writers and you know g- cinematographers and, and those kind of things so it's we're, we're in a really dangerous place I think for art
1: well I think it's just going to be people are going to have to be like me and create art and make nothing from it
0: mm. and that's not why you do it yeah I, I mean, mean you, you still get some out of that something out of the creation of it but you've never really been one to enjoy your own art over and over and over again
1: uh no but i mean like i always think it's funny that people think well they have to get paid but i'm like no one cares if i get paid no one cares you right. know no one wants to buy my book like why isn't that free why aren't you getting the blue rose for free so put the pdf online and yep. you know that's that's what sunk the blue rose is people are not realizing it costs money to ship an envelope costs money and then they're like well can I get a free copy like there is no free copy every copy I pay for
0: right yeah there's no such thing as that so in some ways it's like at some point artists gave up an actual you know financial economic future for celebrity status and celebrity status is worth nothing. Like, it, it literally is worth less than nothing. At the end of the day, you can't pay a mortgage with celebrity status. So, they're, we're at this really interesting inflection point where a few artists control so much of, you know, how that industry works. And we're seeing it with the strikes, the recent strikes, which are still not resolved for actors at this point at, while we're recording it. Like, they're going back and forth on this AI stuff that I fear they're still going to lose. Well, of course they're going to lose... Uh, But I think they
1: did, they have like a three-month
0: stay or whatever.
1: Yeah, like I think they set AI aside for three months. So I think they are back to work. But I I don't think it's settled. It's like pushed to the side. But I mean, (coughs) they're going to steal. And no one really cares. Like they kind of pretend they do, but no one really. They'd still go see that movie if they put Star Wars or Marvel in front of it because they'll say, well, I have to see it all. Right. And everyone the, knows that.
0: The completest part of it. And that's that's some of the brilliance of the Disney Plus uh, you know, model for curating, maintaining and keeping a library of films that you have to go through that channel. And it's not cheap. I mean it's they raise their prices by almost double. And what's really interesting about Disney Plus is I used to be able to pay eighty-nine dollars for a year, which is very reasonable to have access to all that content, watch the new Star Wars shows, all that stuff. They doubled that, or you could keep it the same price, and now you have to watch ads. So they're re-injecting this advertising model back into... But you have to watch an ad anyway, because
1: they make you watch one when you start. For what's coming out. Yeah, yeah, Paramount+. Plus, and we're like I said, we're watching all the Star Trek's. So almost every night we're probably watching two Star Treks, whether it's Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Lower Decks, or Strange New Worlds. And if we don't have to watch the same stupid commercial before you start it, and you can't skip it, right. And it's the same thing.
0: It's an internal commercial for like another yeah, show.
1: For another show, That's and they keep showing the show that is basically a Django Unchained knockoff show. And the more I see the preview, the more I think, you added nothing to this. Like, it just makes me hate it more as I'm seeing more of their plot points. Right. Like, I think they think their trailer is better than it really is to make me watch it maybe 50 times. Right. <coughs> but that's why we have a mute button, so I normally mute it anyway. But. Yeah,
0: that is interesting. It's like when you go to the theater and they have, you know, 45 minutes of, of trailers and then half of them are internal about the Coke and right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just it's an awful experience to get to the movie theater, for, from that perspective.
1: Yeah, it's it is ridiculous, and then I'm glad you brought up preservation dogs because that again is a is a great model where it had three seasons, eight or ten a year. I think ten, yeah. And told a complete story, and it's out, and everyone was happy with it. That's so much better than suffering through that last season of Mad Men or whatever yeah. what, which was always the money season
0: right uh like, making bad you know did did the whole half season although I, I think they pulled it off but yeah and then the bad part about this is you can't buy that show anywhere i can't own that I it's know. not on disc it's not even i can't even buy it streaming so i bought lodge 49 on streaming at least so i can at least have it through apple and as long as apple doesn't
1: crumble Uh, But I've heard they're taking some of that stuff away, too, that even when you buy something, it can be taken away. I've heard people talk about that with 30-something. I think at one point you actually could buy 30-something through Amazon, and then they lost the rights and it was just gone. So even if you paid
0: for it, because I have bought some movies that they revoked the international rights on, but I still have access to stream them. But that's kind of dirty. Like, if you pay that money, they're lucky they don't get a class-action lawsuit
1: off. Well, but they probably said you had it. You had access to it while they had access to it, and that's right. what you paid for. That's all they're going to say. But yeah, I mean, that's sad to not have reservation dogs and the show with Seth McFarlane that we like. What's uh, that? Uh,
0: the Orville. The Orville. That's another that's great right, show yeah. that
1: jumped around. Did networks are those going to come out now? What, where would is they the be new in one season? set?
0: Would they ever have a complete set? Yeah, because it's different people and. I like to own my stuff. Yeah, I do too. Physical media has become very important to me over the last couple of years, especially. I feel like all this collecting we've done our whole year, our whole lives, you know, like I have thousands of shows and movies, like I'm very happy to have those, but I want the ones I want, I want them forever. And I don't want any company to dictate to me how I can watch it.
1: Well, I'm working on a new book about movies from the 90s. It's coming out in June. Yep. And movies like Citizen Ruth, Beautiful Girls, The Ice Storm, you know, these off movies that were big in the 90s but maybe didn't make it, like, they don't stream. Right. Citizen Ruth is on on uh, Criterion Criterion for a minute. Uh, But it's hard to find those. Now, luckily, I had... DVDs of them or Skin Deep which is a movie that I love oh, yeah. you're like you're not going to see that somewhere right uh, I don't know why Beautiful Girls isn't everywhere because that's a really really one great movie one of my movie. favorite 90s movies but if you didn't get them back in the 90s you're
0: you probably don't screwed have them. <laughs> so this was you know I've been reading a lot about like early film and like especially in the 50s and the 40s in Paris there were people there that literally bought movies from all around the world curated them and started these clubs where people would get together once a week and they'd screen a film so they, they considered it a moral and civic duty to collect as much film as possible and then share them with other people and nowadays we've kind of lost that idea of curation uh, you know the local movie club or whatever it is well even more than that they take it
1: but when I hosted a David Lynch week down in Dallas Texas well The 35 millimeter print of Elephant Man was just from a regular guy who had a 35, like at an auction somewhere, bought a 35 millimeter print of Elephant Man. There aren't 35 millimeter prints of Elephant Man. Like they're, you know, they're gone. Right. This guy had one and it was super rare that they could get it
0: and, you know, it, Was it like a fa- he did a favor for somebody? And like Yeah, uh, like
1: they knew someone they could get to, they sent it, and, you know, you're not...
0: I mean, that's cool, though. That's, that, that idea of the cure.: But it, can, it wouldn't happen today, is my point. Okay.
1: Like, what, I don't know what the number... One, let's say Taylor Swift's Heroes thing yeah. is probably the number one movie of this year. Right. There's no 35 millimeter print of right. that. Yeah, no
0: physical, thumb drive. There's no physical media of that, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess it was, because they did show it in a theater, but... Yeah, but it was a thumb drive. You think so? You think sure, was it was, a, it was a
1: di- Of course it was. There, yeah, I didn't
0: even think of it. Because
1: that was the thing they talked about during that David Lynch week. They showed everything on 35mm, and the, that theater was upstairs at the Texas Theater. They had to carry four cans of film yeah. upstairs for every David power. Lynch movie, and they were like, it was a lot. And it's so much easier to bring this little external. Projectionist
0: was an art form back then. Like you had to be somewhat of a technical artist to display a movie properly and switch it out at the right time. Make sure the sound was synced up. I mean, there was the digital revolution killed a lot of that. And in some ways that's a good thing because it brought a little more consistency to the movies. I certainly remember going to movies in the 80s and 90s where something messed up on the screen and the thing melted, I remember, at one point. And you could just see the... Oh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- that's interesting. But I do like the idea that those people were artists who project... A projectionist was an artist as well uh, as the people who made the films. So let's get into some stuff that is upsetting you nowadays. This is my favorite of our conversation. So, <laughs> like what is it that truly annoys you about watching TV?
1: Well, I mean, it's this idea like moonlighting finally came and they replaced the music because they can't get these artists to agree and it's actually not even the artists, yeah, it's the these companies. companies but also it it's the artists that sold their music to that company. Bob um, Dylan yeah, well, they all, they've all done it. I actually just saw, I I heard an interview with Paul Simon on Smartless, and he sold his entire catalog to someone because he said he got a ton of money and none of his kids wanted to run that company after him. Mm. But I'm like, but what if you gave it away? You could. You made your money. Yeah. You, you got it on the radio. Why do you need that? Like, it should be there. But then you have these companies that are stopping. So you gave this music for another artist to make art, and then you stopped that art from coming out because you think you should get more money now that they have it. But you got paid in 1986 when you were on ABC at 9 o'clock on Tuesday. Right. Why do you
0: get more money today? I'll never understand Well, that. it wrecks the art, doesn't it? I mean, it's not the same... We were just talking about it. It's not the same thing when you watch China Beach and it's got, you know, someone else singing... reflections yeah you need that song it it was made for that song um so that's that sucks i mean it really does suck i mean that's a really interesting point because it
1: wouldn't have happened because it it can only happen to shows at a certain period but like imagine if the rembrandt said screw you friends you can't use i'll be there for you in the opening credits well the the only reason we know your name is because you that's sang right. that and you made enough money on it why should they make yeah. more money today i don't I think agree. they should
0: yeah i agree and it, it, it's so petty because you know like universal music or whoever it is right. whoever buys all that there's a few of those out there i feel like it's just cheap litigation they're going after people on youtube who are you know using songs without that that to me that's got nothing to do with art that's like the uh, the excrement of art
1: Well, when I did the Harold Smith stay and play and when COVID started, I had Rebecca Del Rio on as a guest and she sang her, I I think it was No Stars. And YouTube said, like, you're, you're breaking the copyright of the artist. And I'm like, it is is the artist. artist. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is, that's, that's her. She's singing it live. That's not a recording. That's amazing. And you're going to tell me it can't go through? Like, what are you... I mean, that's just... It it makes me angry.
0: Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. Well, because it affects the art. Like, even put the politics and the the viciousness of lawyers aside, it affects the art. It's changed. It changes the art. And now, Moonlighting needs a new audience more than ever because you've got to sell your book. So... (laughs) Like, the idea of, like, college kids picking up mood lighting, I think, is a very real possibility, because it just appeals to that age group. Right. Um So, I... And they won't,
1: they probably won't notice the music, and maybe it doesn't matter, but, I mean, really, Jimi Hendrix, like, cares for whatever you'd make for its streaming? Like, I think it's fine to give them seven cents every yeah. time, like... That's what they got on the radio, but right. they don't need $2 million
0: okay.
1: to be in
0: it. So this is one of those places I think technology will help us because blockchain, say what you want about NFTs and crypto, blockchain itself could easily be a factor that ties that in that can automate the payments to all the musicians and all the actors and all the all the stuff over time. I think the biggest problem that you know entertainment has now is that that stuff is too complex for human beings to manage. They're just not very good at it. And quite frankly, I don't think there are very intelligent people that are working <laughs> between the creative people in Hollywood and the people who are making executive decisions to get that, that uh, content out so we can buy it. I just feel like that there's a drag there somewhere where a big gap of uh, competent people are, are missing. So, so what about you? What's angering you right now? Mostly access issues so like uh, to your point like some of these old movies you know i'm I'm going through to try and watch all of roger ebert's four-star reviews and a lot of those movies you just can't get a hold of anymore thank god for our local library so we are in uh, central ohio we have some of the best libraries in the country and there are literally thousands of movies that are available for us just to request and we wait a couple days and it's right there there are some streaming options but it's been a real i mean that's a project to try and go back and curate all older films uh, and then a lot of international stuff, so i 'm trying to get into a lot of like fifties and sixties movies that I never saw in the midwest because all i all we saw was what the Hollywood studios put in our movie theaters right and i'm i 'm learning now in my middle ages that it 's not enough like that 's only one part of the story of film so uh my my main concerns are around access issues at this point for the most part yeah no that it 's
1: annoying. And even still, like, I've never understood, although I did see that pick Fences is finally on Amazon, which oh. makes me happy. Yeah. But I never understood why everything isn't available that played. Like, why would you rather leave it in a shoebox? Right. And hide it from everyone? That's a better option.
0: Well, I had read somewhere that, like, 70% of every movie that's been made is gone. That there's, right. it's either been destroyed or weathered over time. And you think that we have uh, so many movies to watch, and that's only 30% or f- mm. even 50%, you know, of what has actually been made. And the idea that art just died, you know, just dissolved somewhere in a vault. It's pretty sad.
1: Yeah, it is. And then what will happen with all the streaming crap that they never put out, but you would like to own it. I mean, there are things. There are definitely... I can
0: think of probably five or six shows.
1: Another show that I really like is The Gilded
0: Age. I really, really like The the Gilded Age. Well, that's Julian Tellows. I mean, how's he gonna... You know, we we enjoyed Downton Abbey, and I feel like he learned a lot. (laughs) I feel like he learned a lot from the mistakes of Downton Abbey, and there were mistakes in Downton Abbey. There's no doubt about it. Still an enjoyable show, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't a perfect show. And I feel like there... He's he's fixing a lot of that with... (laughs) A, the consistency and the quality of, of that Mac show. It's good. Yeah, it, it is really good. is good. I look forward to watching it every week. Definitely. Well, and he's good at the upstairs, downstairs <coughs> kind of uh, interactivity. I mean, he's, he's good at putting rich people on the coil. Yeah. Another show that I hate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and just like that, the Stupid Sex oh, in the City I'm- show. I mean, that show is fascinating. First of you're a Sex and the City fan. Yes, I love Sex and the City. Love it. Even on a rewatch, you still yeah. enjoy it? Love it. Okay. But this new one, it's like the writers don't know how humans interact to human interactions. It's so...
0: And it's the same writers. I mean, it's like it's unforgivable because they nailed it in the first show. They nailed it exactly that. Do you think... I still... Like, I... I mean, there's a political angle to this show that they brought back that didn't exist in the first show. Right. It's forced, it's unnatural, and it's annoying. Well, but
1: worse than that, it's not the right thing to focus on. So they want to pretend that they are open to non-binary people or... You know, different sexual orientations. But what they should have gone after is these rich white women that guided through life with no issues and no talent and took everything. Yeah. And they'll be damned if they're going to touch that. That is a good point. Like, that's what you could have done. If you really wanted to look at it, you would say, wait a minute. Why did Carrie Bradshaw get to write this article when she wasn't really that good? Because she was cute and white.
0: Yeah. And like that's opinion. how. The, she was and sassy. you know what I mean?
1: There were there were four white girls that I mean, I guess you could say that Miranda was educated because she was a lawyer, although I don't really remember that ever actually She was one of the smartest characters on the show. Yeah, but I mean, did we ever see her in court? So we're not sure. But anyway, that, if you wanted to come back and say, holy crap, they sh- they didn't deserve any of this. They didn't want to do that at all. They just want to force and seem like right we care. Like,
0: they gave her the minority friend. Right. And yeah, and the, uh, yeah,
1: but that's just horrible.
0: But I can't look away on that one. So I, had, I have not watch any of season two no never do it (laughs) i love aiden though so aiden was one of my favorite characters and they ruin him. they ruin him. him so that that makes me they actually
1: do this stupid thing where he can't see carrie because he's got to take care of his child for 10 years and And i'm like and it was
0: written into a a legal contract or
1: something no it's just he couldn't do it Uh, so they're just not going to see each other for 10 years because he has to take care of his child. And I'm like, yeah, first stupid. of all, your kid doesn't want to be around you that much. That's A. And B, like, they know there's texting now, right? Or FaceTime. Or, well, like you know what I mean? Are, what could happen in 10 years is stupid. That's but, stupid. like, how is that a plot point? Yeah Who has ever done Who has ever said It's like the most Synthetic
0: that? way to keep Two characters apart Apart right <laughs> And like obviously
1: Aiden didn't want to sign and on At least in
0: Stranger Things They put her in The, uni- the alternate <laughs> universe You know there's At least an explanation. But
1: I mean like that. No grown ups say that You don't say I have a kid So I can't talk to you For ten years Like <laughs> I probably could text you Though You know what I mean Like I don't understand. It's just stupid Right And that's what I'm saying You just
0: feel the writer Well so let's time. compare it To the Doctor Who special We just Right yeah know. that's a good that's a good comparison because I think they did it right
1: they they used a non-binary character in I mean we obviously haven't seen everything right. but I'm going to say one of the most
0: Creative, perfect, perfect yeah.
1: ways yeah that yeah. I've ever seen that you I didn't see it it's coming wrapped into the mythology of the show uh, right yeah and it, really. you didn't feel like uh oh, they're making me watch another show where you right. gotta have the rainbow of people where everyone's this you know, everyone knows everyone and we're all holding hands. That's not how life really That's works. That's not
0: reality. It certainly doesn't reflect a moral <clears throat> reality that everyone's dealing with. It's right. a fairy tale in some ways, right? But this, it was good. And it was good. And it all made sense
1: and it, it moved you. And if, you know, I'm very pro someone living any life they want to. I don't understand why as people get it. As long as they're not harming
0: someone else. Do your thing, but
1: I imagine if you were against people who are non binary, that episode probably that was the way to get sex in the city is just going to piss you off, right? But this the way they did the Doctor Who, yeah, you it would be hard for
0: you not to go, okay, and it's gonna start yeah. unraveling things in your and television channel. can do that and should be that's done. what Star Trek does, when right. But it's at its best, you know, and I feel like. I've I watched almost all the Doctor Who, and I couldn't tell you half the shit that's happened in that show. It's bananas, that show. But I could probably sit down and recall pretty well what happened in that episode we just watched. It was clear writing, yeah. back to basics, and it also conveyed a certain moral instruction that wasn't in your face and punching you. you know. So there's, there, there's still television that can be done right. And that was
1: great. And the same with Fargo season 5 premiere. Strong. Really, really good, back to how Fargo used to be. Season four wasn't any good, but it wasn't horrible. Right. It was still better than most other shows. It just wasn't... The problem with Fargo is seasons one, two, and three are spectacular.
0: Five stars, every one of
1: them. And I have a feeling this one's going to be two, and he just tried something. He got too far away from what Fargo is. Right. Which
0: it's the it's, it's the true yeah. detective lesson, isn't it? Yeah. Like they never they never came back to what made season one so great about that show, and it just it just fell. Yeah. It
1: just and fell. I I find it hard to believe it's going to be. I will watch rejected. the next. I'll season. watch the first one, but
0: if it's horrible, I would have no problem stopping, just shutting it down. So I'm trying to think of some of the other shows that we're watching now uh, that we've really enjoyed newer shows because I'm watching a ton of old stuff, like a lot of old sitcoms been watching Bob, the Bob Newhart show, and it was funny then, it is funny now, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is what are the universal things about TV that still last to this day, but I feel like you feel like it's fewer than it was when we were kids, so we have a nostalgic lens that we look backward on. What is it about old TV that works, and what shows are still doing it today? Well, I don't know that
1: people are still doing it, but to me, TV is the most simple concept, and that is giving you a family of sorts, it doesn't have to be blood-related, that you want to see every week. That's it. That's it. It's so simple. That's why we love Cheers. When he comes in, and everyone says Norm. Yeah, right. And we know they're going to say Norm, and he knows they're going to say Norm, and it makes us feel comfortable. We're part of it, Yeah. And I don't. Is there? You're saying there's TV that does that now? Well, I don't think there is. Were you a part of it? Yeah, I mean, where, where, well, where you? These are your friend. Like friends is a great example. I always tell people when they were like, "You like Friends or whatever," and it's like, "Yeah, Friends is not that funny. It's not as funny as Seinfeld or it's not Frazier. Right? You know those things. But you love the Friends. They're true. your friends. You felt like part of the Friends, and know? that's what you want to do. You go to where your friends are. But do you think there's a show that does that? I don't think so.
0: What did I feel like? You know, if I'm I mean, looking back to shows like that, Arrested Development. Yeah, Community, that's old. They are those old. I mean, they're old. They're twenty years
1: old now. So yeah, I mean, I don't think we really have. What was that sitcom? Abbott
0: Elementary, right? The, yeah, that's kind of like. I mean, the, that's the, probably as close. It's pretty close because it that's new show today. that can create its own subtextual language. To your point, like, oh, I knew that community was going to do this certain thing on Halloween, and th- those kind of consistencies. Uh, they, it's rare now, but like hacks.
1: I think that won all the Emmy, so we could use yeah, hacks. Hacks is good. Hacks doesn't do that. Like yeah. hacks, they're against each other. I mean, yeah, they're. They're bonding as time goes on. Oh, man, that, not show, really. that show is not about female right. bonding. It's about how females right. tear each other down. You know? But I mean that's more what people do now. I don't know that people create that. Certainly and not sitcoms. Funny. I feel like but, sitcoms are dead.
0: I mean what what yeah, sitcoms are out there either. that you're Besides
1: the Abbott Elementary, I don't even know if there's any popular ones.
0: Yeah, I mean, out. I'm really struggling. Even on HBO, which used to have some funny thirty minute Shows. I mean, Larry Sanders, which you're rewatching right now, uh, probably will never be topped in terms of its relevancy and its just its hilarity. I mean, the characters in that show. Well, even
1: Curb, which is kind of okay, that's a good one. But again, it is me- more mean based than Comfort. Right. Um,
0: this is a different kind of comedy. I feel like yeah. com- comedy has changed in a way that. Is almost, but also,
1: if they made a show like that, you and I wouldn't tune in to watch it. We're not, we wouldn't even know it was on NBC.
0: Right. I mean, right. I, don't I wouldn't even know how to watch NBC. Well, so there, here we come to the fractionalization of, of TV. I've recently tried to watch a Spectrum show. My I was logging in with, with uh, a, a different password, and I couldn't find it. I literally could not navigate. I couldn't search for it. I couldn't navigate to it. I just they've made tv unwatchable like yeah. as it used to be at least um, that's a frustration it goes back to access i guess but like can we just make it simple again can i just well no tv wants you to watch tv because they
1: put tv on the tv to <laughs> tell you what other tv to watch <laughs> why movie? are you watching this tv you got this tv
0: yeah You're that's another thing with this that annoys tv me. watch that the you know? autoplay and the ending of the credits like that yeah. that should be an option i could universally turn off and well, they don't want
1: you to they don't want you to do it. So then they're not letting you do that. Yeah, I mean I guess we ruined T V with the Red Room.
0: <laughs> now it's dead. That's why we stopped. We did stop. Uh but I do still enjoy talking with you about TV. You always come at it from a different point of view. That's my specialty. But I mean I do think
1: it's kind of over. Like we can't, I mean, if the Red Room did anything, it documented the end of TV, TV. being so killed when we
0: write our book, we can, that could yeah. be the title, The End of Television, by the creators of the Red Room Podcast. That would by be the one. people who killed it. And <laughs> Pan and Scan, that was the other thing I wanted oh, to talk pan about. Pan and Scan. So before we get off, we had we both talked about this the other night. Do you all know what Pan and Scan is? Tell them what Pan and Scan is.
1: Well, again, working on my 90s book, I watched 160 movies from the 90s. God damn, that's a project. Well, I did it for over years. It, it, yeah. I started, how long have I been all working on it? Been four years, so. years or something. I don't know, a long time. And I think it was the Michael Falling Down, the Michael Douglas movie, which sure. most people probably don't remember. I think that was... I could only find it on a DVD, and it was pan and scan. It did, and they didn't even tell you it was pan and scan. It's just while I was watching it, I was like, wait a minute. So pan and scan was basically when they put it on, they wanted it to be square, but it was rectangle. And instead of, like, cutting into what they would do or giving you the bars... Just some editor would slide the photo over while it was going, so the person doesn't even move right. They they jump because the camera's sliding while they're moving, and then if they want to show you something else over that, then they slide <laughs> it over to the other side. So the film is going back and forth, where the director set a camera up as a wide, long shot. Yeah, right. And it didn't move.
0: Yeah, and TVs were square, so that, right. that's the, that was the big problem. Right, you know, TV, TV was square TV was and the movie ten. was rectangle. Yeah, ten. right. Right. Oh, Pan and Scan was worse. It was the biggest offense against art, and, and even yeah. worse than the laugh track. Pan and Scan was offensive. Yeah, because you had
1: some editor that wasn't even the editor of the movie, just someone putting it on DVD. or yeah. It was mostly a VHS thing. It was, yeah. But, because in DVD, I think they would usually give you the option of both, but the one I found, <laughs> and I really think it was that movie. No, it, it was, no, it wasn't that movie, now this doesn't matter, but I remember it was The Perfect World by Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Because I can't find that I movie. I have that in Blu-ray. Do you? Yeah. I need to get a copy of it. Yeah. Um, because I couldn't find it And the one I had The only one I could find was Paniskan And you know Clint Eastwood doesn't do that Because right. he does mostly static well, shots One of the most cinematic directors that we have yeah, And they're in an RV Driving around a lot So while they're talking in the RV <laughs> the, you know They had a long shot of Laura Dern And Clint Eastwood Now I'm really remembering yep. it And it kept sliding back and forth And you feel like you're on a merry-go-round <laughs> or something And you're just like Nobody to film that way Oh, it's horrible! <laughs> yeah, Pan and scanned is well, that's awful. That's good that you have the Blu-ray because I I'm gonna have to get a, a copy of that because yeah. the one I have is that's a good movie too. It actually was well, all of yeah, I I love I, Clint Eastwood, but in the '90s
0: he had a run. Didn't that it? was when he was the best. Unforgiven, and then right in the Perfect World and uh, Space Cowboys with uh, Meryl Streep one. Oh yeah, Bridges, Bridges of Madison
1: of County was in there. I mean, he he was. Is that, is he that was really movie good movie. in the 90s. And so, and I watched all of his, all of Martin Scorsese's, all of Spike Lee's, all of Quentin Tarantino's. Um, I don't really cover Spielberg in my book because I think he. George Lucas? Um, no, I don't. I think Phantom oh, Menace. Oh, well, Phantom Menace, yeah. So I guess, but that's all he did. So there wasn't an all. But it was Perfect World and it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the movie was good, but I mean, the Pan and no, Scan was horrible. I, I
0: honestly don't think I could watch it. I mean, it would, it would annoy me.
1: Well, I was trying that. to get through all of Clint's movies for my writing. I had to do it. And you couldn't, that was another one. Perfect World is streaming nowhere. Right. And like, Laura Dern is huge oh, now. The, I mean, she was... Kevin Costner. She's I mean, always been. He's yeah. on Yellowstone.
0: Like, still, he's still relevant, you know, right. 40 years later. And you can't get all of his movies? That's crazy. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, friends. Well, that's been TV Talk. Uh, Not the Red Room, but TV talk. Uh, Mm -hmm. Scott's got a couple books coming out. Check out his website, Fayetteville Mafia Press or Tucker Press. Tucker D.S. Tucker D.S. Press. For David and Scott. And uh, he's got a great football show that he does for the Maslin Tigers. They are having a hell of a season. Hopefully they're going to bring it home this week. Maybe. Maybe. All right, friends. Till next time, keep watching and keep listening.